you accustomed to being photographed? You seem quite natural. Um, no, it's actually quite new to me. Um, I only set up my OnlyFans at the beginning of lockdown, and I've only started doing shoots since I moved to London um, about four or five months ago. That's Eddie. He does live modelling, he learns ballet, and he's a sex worker. I'm Robert Gershenson, a photographer and podcaster, and this is Sex Work, a podcast all about what it means to be a sex worker right now. To check out the portraits in this series, head to sftl underscore studios on Instagram. Uh, I wanted to change. I was in Manchester for a lot of lockdown. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt a bit claustrophobic, I guess. There wasn't really much going on. Um, and I've been really happy since I moved to London. So I think it was the right choice. Were you not happy in Manchester? I wasn't unhappy, um, but I feel like there's been a lot more opportunities and I've met some really great people since I moved here. It's been really great for work and really great for my social life and my mental health. You weren't doing sex work in Manchester? I started doing sex work in Manchester a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, just started doing escorting and then stopped for lockdown and everything. Set up my OnlyFans then and then restarted escorting and filming with other people. What inspired actually jumping into sex work money <laughs> was it just purely financial yeah yeah what were you doing before sex work i was working on reception at a gym um and it was zero hour contract i mean it, it wasn't like a desperation situation it yeah. was just i want some more money um and i thought i'd try it out see how i got on and yeah i enjoyed it i like i like meeting people um, did you do research before yeah, I did a lot of research. It was a very careful decision. Um, <laughs> well, tell me about the research phase. Where do you even start on something like that? Because I imagine if you, you know, if I imagine if I wanted to be a sex worker and I thought, well, I don't know all that much, aside from doing the podcast about it, I could just phone up some sex workers. Surely <laughs> they would think, well, hang on, there's a new kid trying to get on my cabbage patch. <laughs> oh, no, it's, so it's how... very friendly. It's not competitive, right? I don't okay. think. No. It's not like the mafia. No, no, no. It's not like a zero-sum game. Like every, there's always going to be a market for different types of people. And yeah. So who did you reach out to first? I didn't really reach out to anyone. I just, I just read things that were existing online. I don't, I didn't know anyone who was doing it already. Mm -hmm. um, not personally. It was more just reading things and what were you reading? Just articles about how to do it safely, the kind of safety measures you need, um, things to consider before doing it in the first place. What were they? Whether it's something I would have the emotional capability of kind of dealing with, I guess. Um, whether it would have an impact on my personal sex life, which I think it, it kind of has now. But we maybe come to that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you Note want to yourself, bring that back up later. <laughs> um, there are other kind of safety things. There are, I think some people have more of a kind of separation about what sex is and whether it can be sort of compartmentalized as work in that sense. And was that difficult to deal with to start with? No, but it was something I had to consider and... For the first few times, I was sort of aware that that might be something that would come up, but it didn't. It was fine. So you, you jumped in, you did some research. How do you then go from the research phase to actually booking a client? Were, were you doing client work? Yeah. Okay, so you were booking the client. Where did you find your first client or where did your first client find you? Uh, just on a website that I was advertising on. Do you remember the website? It was Sleepy Boy. Sleepy Boy? Yeah. Sleepy Boy, that sounds, um, that sounds quite cute. It's a bit of a weird name, isn't it? <laughs> it, does, you know, it sounds like an offshoot of mother care or something. <laughs> so the client found you. Were you, were you nervous? I was 
very, very nervous. And this was back in Manchester? Yeah, I was okay, like so what shaking me... with nerves. <laughs> but obviously yeah, trying to give the impression that I've done this a million times before, you know. Uh... Oh, so you, were, you didn't say like, oh, you're my first? Absolutely not. Right, no. you wanted to be like, I'm, I'm a, a veteran. Yeah, exactly, yeah. A professional. <laughs> <laughs> See, I go for veteran, you go for professional. <laughs> so walk me through it. Where did you, did you meet him, her? Met him. Him? At my house, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, he, so he came around yours? Yep. I saw his car pull up outside and I was, I was honestly shaking. I was so scared. Um, and as soon as I answered the door, just, you know, the, the professional face came on. And it was actually fine. Yeah, it was totally fine. It was, it was like a hookup. But I got money for it, which is kind of one of the reasons for going into it in the first place. Or well, one of the, yeah, one of the motivations, I guess, was just having lots of bad hookups, lots of bad sex and being like, I should be getting money for this. Oh, so, so you've been playing the field beforehand and, and you thought, well, I'm not getting anything out of this experience. Yeah. Do you get anything emotionally out of your client work? Yeah, definitely, yeah. You do? Yeah. Why is that? And it, it can't just be the now the inclusion of money. No, I think it's partly the social side of it or kind of just the, just the human connection side of it. I find it really interesting meeting people, like having a conversation with them. Um, sex is intimate in a sense as well, mm-hmm. even when it's transactional. So why weren't you getting the emotional connection from your hookups? I think I was. I think that was probably the main thing I was getting from it but the actual physical sexual gratification exactly yeah that was what was lacking but the clients are because what I'm trying to understand is what's the difference between a client and someone who isn't paying but someone you're just having sex with not that much the money I guess so the, the satisfaction must come from the money I mean it really depends on the person as well it's quite individual there's, yeah. there probably were some hookups which I enjoyed on a physical level as well and there's some clients I have really good sex with do you have repeat customers yeah is that most of your your clientele now repeats, or um, do you get some newbies? A lot of newbies, yeah. A lot, a lot of newbies. Yeah, I think, especially because I'm trans as well, it's kind of, people want to try, you know, they've they seen some trans porn, and they're like, I want to see what that's like. Is, that, is it almost a fetish? Oh, 100%, yeah. Do you feel fetishized? It's complicated, I do. Um, I'm capitalising on that fetishization. Yes. So, it's benefiting me. Um, I think... When I set up my OnlyFans, it wasn't something I thought that much about. I was using terms like F2M, which are kind of problematic because they're quite binary and I don't necessarily see myself in that way, even though I present as quite masculine. Um, I don't really buy into the female to male. I, I don't think I was ever actually female in that sense. Um, but I'm using these terms because they're searchable, they're hashtagable, they're yeah. an easy way of describing myself. It's a business tool. Exactly. And when I'm doing that, it's it's fine. You know, I'm, I can describe myself in whatever way I like. But then when other people, when I'm filming with other people and they're describing me in the same terms that I'm using myself, using about myself, it hits different, even though it's the same thing. So it's something I'm kind of grappling with at the moment, which I haven't really come to a conclusion about. Because you've, I mean, by using the terms, even as a business tool, you've almost given them permission to use it back to you. Yeah. Not in a derogatory fashion, but, oh, this is how Eddie wants to be Mm -hmm. referred to. So how would you refer to yourself? Ideally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't really know. I'd like, uh, uh, I guess, I guess, trans man because I'm a man, but there's, you know, I'm, I'm not. I see myself as very distinct from a cis man, in a good way. Yes. Um, and actually, I don't really have a, a big problem with the term F two M. It's just, it's different when I'm using it versus when someone else is using it about me. Why is that? Because from an outside perspective, female to male, I guess, describes the transition that you've gone through. Yeah, it does kind of make sense. Um, I guess. It brings up questions of, I mean, I don't really buy into the idea that like about biological sex being so binary. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, 
it's about chromosomes, hormones, external genitalia, internal genitalia. There's there's so many things that come into it. And as I say, I don't know if I ever was really female. Oh. If that makes sense. So you feel you might have been born non-binary, but female I mean, presenting? I, I, I was like, I was female, but <laughs> I don't know. Physically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with, I guess... I guess it comes down to splitting gender and sex. Yeah. Physically, sex-wise, you I had you I had, presented as, as female. Yeah, I had I had indications that I was female. female sex, yeah. Yeah. They call it AFAB now, don't they? Yeah. Your gender you've always felt is more is male, yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. I don't I don't fully understand it myself to be honest. Like it's yeah. But your clients I mean, have you have you ever been booked by a client and it's been a complete surprise to them? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm very open about on all of my profiles on Twitter, OnlyFans, um, on the pages where I advertise escorting. It's a marketing tool as much as also just me being authentic. Okay, so that was your first. That was your first client. You were you were nervous. How did you build up the confidence? Just with practice. Um, I think it was a bit of imposter syndrome at the beginning, which maybe was legitimate because obviously I hadn't done it before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but then it just takes it's just practice. Just feeling like actually I I can do this. I'm quite good at it, and I have a right to do it. But you have the right to do it. Did you not think you had the right to do it? I think that was the imposter syndrome side coming in. Just feeling like are people really going to pay me for this you know there's something i'm actually enjoying but that's more about questions of like what what work is and what well that's yeah that's a very good point because i can remember years ago i was working in television and i had come from working in bradford and bingley in the mortgage department and i remember when i was working in television i was just walking across this area that we were shooting in and i was thinking this is my job mm-hmm. this is weird I'm actually enjoying this and I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. It's incredibly empowering. It is. Had you had that feeling before in other jobs? Never. Absolutely never. My previous jobs had all been retail, the reception job I mentioned, all minimum wage, um, usually quite long shifts, didn't always get along with my managers, whereas this is just so many miles away from that. You are your own boss. Exactly, yeah. Which You're in control. Yeah. So it must be incredibly empowering. What's been the most positive contribution to your life that sex work has given you? I think the OnlyFans and Twitter side of it has been really validating. Um, In what respect? How does validation present itself on those platforms? Just posting a picture of myself and getting lots of positive sort of feedback about it, which is really nice. It's just (laughs) really nice, yeah. Is there a danger there? That I rely on that too much. Yeah, do you? Oh, I think I think I do that bit. Yeah. So, what happens if you post an image that you think this is shit hot, and then it doesn't get that's, anywhere near the image from yesterday? That's social media. It, it happens. I, I actually, I think I'm not. Too, I don't get too hung up on, you know, likes and comments and that kind of thing. It's more when it's there, it's nice. But I'm not. I'm not sort of comparing day to day or that kind of thing. Um, How often do you post? I post every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not no, like... I don't I, rely on it. I do it every day. Every day. But you know, I'm not like scrolling through like, this one got this one. But no, I, yeah, I post every day on OnlyFans. Pretty much every day on Twitter. 
So what what are you what are you posting to OnlyFans? And it's behind the paywall, right? Yeah. People have to pay how much? What a tenner? Uh, seven dollars. Seven dollars. Very cheap. That's like what five five quid. Yeah, and that's then like I, I, they take Apple TV. Well. That's an Apple TV subscription, five yep. quid, and they take what forty percent? Twenty percent. Twenty percent. Yeah. That's nothing. Agents take more. Yeah. The actual yeah the cut they take is pretty good actually. It's, um... But. What about transferring that money from dollars into pounds? Do you lose a bit there? So you're probably shaving off about 30? Something like that, yeah. So you can make a living on OnlyFans or do you, just on its own or do you, do you have to do client work? Um, it varies month to month. That's the other thing about it. It's quite unreliable. Mm. What, OnlyFans or, or sex work in general? Sex work in general. I think, I think it's true for a lot of these kind of jobs where you are reliant on customers. Yes, um, if, if it's, it's freelance sort of, yeah exactly yeah it's, you're self-employed yeah when did the only fans stuff come in how many years after doing client work it was literally at the start of lockdown right okay yeah, so it was, it was literally can't go and meet anyone yeah did you not want to meet anyone or were clients not it, I, I, I was i was taking it pretty seriously okay. um i was yeah i was sticking to lockdown wasn't meeting anyone so it seemed like a sensible thing to do and also everyone was doing it so what's on your What's on, on your fans? fans? Yeah. There's a lot of solo videos. So when I first started, until I moved to London, so for the first, about the first year, it was only solo stuff. Okay. Um, so I do photo sets, a lot of nudes, solo videos. Um, I take requests for custom videos. And Does that come with a, a bigger price? Yeah, it's just sort of a permanent price. Like an extra yeah, premium. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's like a Marvel premiere on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> You pay an extra 30 quid, then you can watch Black Widow before anyone else. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously now I've moved to London and started filming with other people. So you do so, collaborations? Yeah. What does doing collaborations give you that client work doesn't? What are the differences? Because a lot of people would just think, well, a sex worker, that's obviously the old school prostitute. Mm-hmm. Right? They would think, leaning against a lamppost, emaciated, smoking. Yeah looking for clients, someone pulls up in a limousine, the kind of bullshit that we see on ITV1 dramas yeah. or, you know, films in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Sex work is such a big umbrella term that maybe people wouldn't even realise that, oh, you know, wanking on OnlyFans, that could make you a sex worker. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. So what's the, what's, you know, in terms of impact on your life, what's the difference between doing client work where you're sleeping with someone for money and doing a collaboration where you're sleeping with someone for money? I'd say very little. I think maybe it's... I think for some people there would be more of a kind of mental leap in terms of having to actually accepting money for it because then they would maybe put themselves in a different category. Whereas for me, it's, it's, all, it's all part of the same thing. You, so you really don't see much difference. What about the, um, the dynamic between... You know, if you're doing client work, what's the, di- the dynamic between you and the client, the customer... Or you and, you know, Mickey Taylor, who you're doing a collaboration with? I think there is an element of we're more on an equal grounding when I'm filming with someone. We're both... It's you're a, doing it's, a collaboration. Exactly, yeah. It's a, it's a collaboration. We're both getting something from each other. Whereas when I'm with a client, they're paying for a service and I'm delivering that service. Do you feel sometimes when you're with a client that they just see you as a commodity? They see you as, I have purchased Eddie... From four o'clock until six o'clock, Eddie is now mine. Generally, no. I, um, I haven't actually had experiences that have made me feel like that. I think generally my clients are pretty respectful. It's it's pretty relaxed. 
just a kind of nice a nice time pre becoming a sex worker what was your what was your attitude and your knowledge around sex work um i was definitely pro sex work i didn't really buy into this sort of stigma or didn't really feel the stigma around it i think growing up queer and having a lot of queer friends it's not seen in quite the same way as maybe it is for straight people it's sort of something that a lot of people do at some point Mm -hmm. in their lives at least a little bit um whether that's i don't know some guy just like gives you 30 quid to suck him off whatever and it's you know most people have some sort of story like that yeah and it's it's not that unusual and it's not that shocking so yeah it just seemed sort of normalized in that sense do you think that's because you you grew up i mean you grew up trans right mm-hmm. whether closeted or or later out do you think that gave you 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 know you were more inclined to be accepting of people outside of the the norm i think so yeah i think it's maybe more compassionate that's a good but word then, compassionate <laughs> trying to think of a word but then obviously i would say that i'm not going to say i'm a really horrible person so. <laughs> <laughs> how do you keep yourself safe when you are being a sex worker there are screening methods so there's information that i ask clients to send me before we meet um just you know a face picture oh so you vet them yeah in a sense yeah Um, so you you ask for a face picture name name phone number they have to send that in order to talk to you if they're going through sleepyboy.com they have to send that fill out the form yeah it's not it's not a form it's more they'll contact me in whatever way whether that's whatsapp or email or anything and before i meet anyone i'll i need a face picture when i know that i'm going to meet someone i have a friend that i'll text and say if i haven't texted you by this time you know i've got this meeting from this time to this time um let them know if they're going to be late and that kind of thing so that so someone knows where you are someone knows what's happening yeah do you not find it quite dangerous or quite upsetting that your line of work is viewed in such a way by the society that we live in that you are potentially having to put yourself in this kind of danger or take this kind of provision in order to do the work that you love and do it safely? Um, I think any kind of work where you're going into someone's house or someone's coming into your house, there's going to be an element of danger in that sense. To, I mean, to a degree, but you know, as a photographer and I've gone into people's houses, I've never, never really had to tell yeah. anyone, oh, I'm going to be here at this time. Because I've got I've got a sex worker friend and he'll often text me saying I'm here. Yeah. And it takes me a moment because my initial reaction is I don't care why you're telling me. <laughs> I don't. Oh right, you just want to make yeah. make sure that you are safe. Someone knows. Yeah. You know, if you are delivering groceries for Tesco's, you don't text your mum saying I'm going to be here because you'll be texting ten times a night. Yeah. Right. Why are we at the point where sex workers are having to have this this safety uh, procedure that is completely outside of the normal realms of working. It could be partly to do with the social stigma of it. Um, I definitely wouldn't go to the police if anything happened. Um, Why not? I mean, we can we can start a conversation about the police if you want. I don't I don't trust the police um, at all. To, around sex work or just at all? <laughs> uh, kind of a tool. Or okay. I, I guess it's not necessarily about trusting them. I'm sure that like some individually mm-hmm. helpful and kind police officers. But as an institution, I I wouldn't go for them for help. Do you think they would view you differently because you're a sex worker? I think so, yeah. I think there'd be an element of that. Do you know the legalities? Did you check all that out before you started? Uh, I knew that it was legal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um there's you're not allowed to street walk you're not allowed to advertise in certain areas 
um but what i'm doing is legal yeah and you work alone yeah do you feel that if you worked in pairs or as a small group you know you'd be less in danger i think so yeah just in terms of if a client got violent yeah you have more chance of being able to overpower them have you had any um fishy situations no you're pretty fisty it hasn't yeah. got to that point but you know <laughs> you can handle yourself it has yeah i i feel like i can but you know that's why i have the safety measures because there has to be some there has to be some kind of extra layer of security Protection. yeah from, just for my own do you think it's because you're you're masculine presenting that they don't try it on I mean, oh 100 percent. yeah i mean obviously I'm, I'm small but it's much worse for women it's much much worse for trans women are your clients men or women men men yeah exclusively um yeah mostly yeah um i've never had a cis woman a couple of trans women but mostly mostly cis men How do people react when you tell them you're a sex worker? Usually surprised. It depends who it is. Okay, so um, who, who's surprised? Like random people that I meet in my day to day life. I'm very open about it. Okay. Um, oh, so you'll just be like, hi, you dropped something. I'm a sex worker. <laughs> not, not quite that open. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> but, you know, if someone asks me what I do, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, I do like freelance, online modeling. Custom, custom care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm a sex worker. I'm a consultant. I kind of like the provocativeness of that. and Oh, so the Berlin of it all. I guess you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to have to hide that or I, it doesn't it doesn't help the stigma around it if I hide it. And I feel like I'm in a secure enough position in terms of the stigma around it, I guess, that I, I, I can just say it and then deal with however negative the reaction, the reaction might be. What reactions have you had ranging from positive to negative? I think the most common or the most common reaction that I would categorize as negative is changing the subject very quickly. Who was that? Just the builder who came in to come to do some work ah. in my flat. My dance teacher. Quite a few people do that. It's Hello, uh, dance teacher. <laughs> she, she just asked what I did for a living. So. You have a dance teacher? Uh, I'm, I'm starting to learn ballet, yeah. Ah, yeah. that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm very just, bad. It's, just as like, what? Just, just, a, as a, just a fun, bit yeah. of a Bit of a, like a cardio? Uh, kind of, yeah. And, you know, yeah. a bit of flexibility and... Hence coordination. why your legs are really good. As people will I've see been doing it for like four weeks. <laughs> well, <laughs> very much a beginner. You can change your legs in two weeks if all you do is squat. It's true. It seems that you're very confident. So I would imagine it could be water off a duck's back if someone says something quite negative or the reaction is quite negative. But is that an outwardly thing? Are you? Does it actually? Does it affect you? I feel quite almost kind of in, indignant that I'm in the right and that I'm not doing anything wrong mm. because I do feel in a position to speak openly about it. If someone says something negative, it's, I feel like it's more on them than it is a reflection on what I'm actually doing. Where does that negativity come from? It, you know, where's the stigma coming from? Why, why is there such stigma around sex and sex workers? People are weird about sex. Like really. In the world or in this country? <laughs> just generally, you know, just everywhere. <laughs> Um, weird in what way kind of puritanical you do see it as a kind of separate category that you know I, I've never felt so people talk about sex work as being degrading mm -hmm. um, for who the for the, the buyer or the seller 
for the seller, for seller. the actual sex worker. Mm-hmm. But I've never found anything but empowering and I felt much more degraded when I've been working as long shifts in the minimum wage jobs. Um, and getting fuck all money. Exactly, yeah. And or being shouted at by a manager and things like that. There's not really a difference. The difference is maybe what you're actually doing with your body. But, you know, if you're carrying trays as a waiter or doing manual labor, it's you're still using your body. The only difference is that it's sex and that's what I don't fully understand. It's just, there's, it's a weird separate category and it doesn't really make sense to me. But that's it, isn't it? That's the, you know, if you had a Venn diagram of attributes between IT office worker and sex worker, in the middle is a lot. Yeah. It's only the the actual ins and outs of the job mm-hmm. that would be the difference. You know, yeah. you don't spend your time hunched over a keyboard, you spend your time with your clients, but you sell your time, you sell yourself, and you earn money. Yeah. So the stigma around sex work must be because we have such a weird relationship with sex. Almost, I mean, are we taught from a very young age that it's shameful to have sex? I think there definitely is something around that, but then it just seems worse when people are paying for it somehow because often the same people who, as feminists, maybe say everyone has a right to have as much sex as they want, um, labels like sluts and things aren't helpful, but then when someone's paying for it, it's it's then it then becomes stigmatized again. It becomes sort of seedy or something about the transaction, I think, is what people have a problem with. You know, certain feminists are not okay with women selling themselves for sex. They can't really jump over the fence and start having a go at men and trans men for doing the same. I think it's definitely different. There's not so much of the power dynamic, um, especially if it's a cis man buying sex from a cis man. Mm-hmm. There's still a power dynamic because there's money involved um, and there could be other aspects, of, you know, class and race and age, lots of things. Do you ever feel the power dynamic is completely unbalanced not in your favour? Not really. I generally feel quite in control of the situation. It doesn't necessarily have to be you feel out of control, but equally, do you ever feel like, oh, it's not balanced. I am completely in control here. This person has come to me, so I have all the power, and I walk away with the money. It really depends on the individual dynamic, I think, and what the person wants out of the session, Mm -hmm. what kind of sex we're having. What sort of clients do you get? What sort of things are they actually after? Sometimes it's just straightforward, fucking go. Yeah. Sometimes they just want to please me. Can it feel transactional or, you know, how do you stop yourself becoming emotionally attached to them? I don't, I don't, I don't really have that problem. All <laughs> oh, right. So you, you can, you, you feel you can compartmentalize and be quite removed. Yeah. I feel like that anyway, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Anything. (laughs) So maybe that, you know, maybe is that, that could potentially be one of the, the, you know, if you you wrote a little list of skills you need. The emotionally detached. (laughs) But you've mentioned before that it's, it's, um, you know, sex workers impacted on your own sex life. Yeah. So what, what has that impact been? Uh, Most just not really having that much desire outside of work. And kind of prioritising the sex I have for work over the sex I have in my free time. Does that then make you not enjoy being a sex worker? Because I know that if, if all I did was take photos for work, 
that would really piss me off because I'd be like, I don't have any time for my projects, for my voice. It's almost kind of the opposite in terms of I enjoy so much of the sex I have for work that I haven't really been craving sex outside of work. But then that has impacted the relationships I have in my personal life because I have less desire. So you've been in part, you've had partners while being a sex worker. Yeah. Were you in a relationship when you became a sex worker? Uh, yes. Did you have that conversation with your partner then? Or was it a case of, hey, honey, guess what I'm doing? Oh, no, we were talking about, I was like, this is something I'm thinking of doing. I texted them before, you know, when I was setting up the actual original meeting. They were very much in the loop. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, it, it happened. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> oh, you, with, the, with the first client? Yeah, yeah. And were they supportive? Or? Very much so, yeah. They were really happy for me that I was able to. But then on. things started to impact or that's only later on? Um, so if you were having sex with your clients yeah. and that's where your sexual energy is going to and there's none back home, that must piss off your partner. It was more recently that I've started to notice this impact mm. on my personal life. So that was in Manchester when it first started. Yes. And then things then things were fine. I wasn't doing it full time. I had the occasional client. It was just gradual. And then when I moved to London, started doing it full time and doing the OnlyFans at the same time. That's when it's had more of an impact. Um, one of my partners was living in Manchester still. So we weren't in the same city anyway. Yeah. My other partner lived in London. We've had conversations about how that's impacted our sex. I'm not with, with either of them anymore anyway. Not because of that, but... <laughs> but <laughs> You're single now? Yeah. And do you find it's easier to be a single sex worker or are you quite happy to be in a relationship as long as they're okay with you being a sex worker? Yeah, I'm happy with either way. I have never... I wouldn't enter into a relationship with someone who... Or even date someone who wasn't okay with it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so open about it from literally day one that it wouldn't it would never get to a point where someone wasn't okay with it because we wouldn't enter into any sort of situation and it would be weird you know it it, it would be it'd be strange i think for someone to turn around and say well i'm your boyfriend i'm your girlfriend whatever everything you have you need to give to me including sex yeah i think because i've had open relationships and i'm poly anyway it maybe changes how we talk about sex and how we view sex and how we view what a relationship should be hmm. what do you feel you want out of a relationship when you have them it really it depends so much on the person so i guess just contrasting it with a monogamous relationship where everything you know you expect your partner to give you everything so they should be good at sex you should be they should be a friend hmm. it should be some sort of domestic comfortable living situation because i guess the aim is to move in together and have a family together get a john lewis wedding list exactly um whereas i feel like with poly relationships there's more flexibility and freedom to get from and give to a partner whatever that relationship kind of brings up so it might be that i mean you know you you'd be a really good co-parent with someone so you decide to have a family together but maybe it's not sexual um there's a really effective and functional domestic situation with someone else someone else is just really good at sex but you have nothing to talk about so (laughs) (laughs) that's a fuck buddy (laughs) (laughs) which is also fine you know (laughs) which which is perfectly fine it's still some sort of relationship it's still it's still it is yeah it is and maybe you go for food afterwards i don't know you know know. everyone loves a nando's (laughs) do you want kids no you don't want kids no no, absolutely not so kids are off the table we'll get rid of those yeah they're gone excellent eddie they're gone all right don't worry about it all right (laughs) (laughs) where do you see the future of sex work in this country 
for me or in general? For you, yeah. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with OnlyFans and the other online platforms. Mm -hmm. They're obviously cracking down. There was that situation About a what? few weeks ago. A couple of months ago? Yeah, something, something like that, that yeah. yeah. Where they um, said, right, that's it. We're turning off all yeah. sexual content. Uh -huh. And everyone went, you what? Yeah, so there was we a few days you. of you know, freaking out. <laughs> and then they reversed it. Yeah. And now the new MasterCard rules have come in, which... OnlyFans seems to have acted on. Got an email a few days ago with a list of content of mine which they deleted. Um, also, what Mastercard said, okay, we're okay with X, Y, and Z, and you have to go, right, well, these images don't fit in. I'll keep these ones. It was more, I think, when I first started doing OnlyFans, I wasn't paying that much attention to what the actual T's and C's were. Uh -huh. So I uploaded some piss videos, um, some stuff outdoors, which was never actually allowed but it's only recently that OnlyFans has actually cracked down on it and right. gone through and deleted all this it's content from over a year ago so by outdoors you mean in the park or in the garden it's just in the garden but it's, they count it as public how strange yeah so this is a a large multi-conglomerate a bank dictating to a social media platform what sex workers can and can't do or what they can and can't put on the platform yeah it's it's very very strange it's really problematic. Cause it's always consenting adults. Everything is legitimate, but it's a kind of weird moral decision that the payment providers have been allowed to make. So how do you get around that? What's the... You have to follow the rules, otherwise you get deleted, which are is really frustrating. Are there other platforms you can go to? There are. I'm also on Just For Fans and Admire Me. What was the other one? Admire Me. Admire Me. Do they have the same rules with MasterCard? They're Master still going to have to... Yeah, it's MasterCard. Yeah, they're still going to have to comply, yeah. Um, so just for fans to set up a consent center where you can actually, it's just more of a straightforward way of making sure that everyone in your videos has actually signed a form saying that they agree to be in it, which it, it kind of already been happening, but this is a more formalized way of doing it. Is there not a way to just opt out for a MasterCard? Don't use them, use something else. That's not what the platforms are doing. Maybe, maybe there would be a way to do it. I think if the problem would be that maybe each individual can do that, Maybe if a platform did it all together, they would just lose subscribers because maybe not everyone wants to pay with like Bitcoin or something. And I, I don't know what other what the other options would be. This must be frustrating because there's people somewhere sat in an office in a boardroom deciding how you can earn your money. Mm -hmm. And they just press a switch and suddenly £2,000 has gone from your monthly allowance. Mm -hmm. What plan B do you have? Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because there isn't one? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I, I've, I've worked the jobs that I mentioned before. Yeah. I could do it again. I don't want to, but... Then why would you? Why would you want to earn nine quid an hour? Mm -hmm. Do you mind saying your rates, your sex worker rates? I charge 150 an hour for my place, 200 an hour to go to someone else's. Different rates are overnight? Yeah. Um, 700 at mine, 900. That's not bad. That's all right, yeah. And it's all in cash or you keep card transaction? It's in cash. In cash. And you declare to the tax yeah. office? Yeah? Yeah, declare everything. With the way that society views sex workers, in this country at least, and with the impending idea that the Norway model is going to get introduced, Norway model would punish the buyer, does that make you think, maybe I should get out of the game now? not later does it put you on on uneasy ground do you feel insecure about the uncertainty the uncertainty is always difficult i guess I'm, i think i'm going to be doing it until i can't anymore yeah 
it's helpful having the in-person stuff and the OnlyFans stuff. Obviously, they're both insecure in different ways, but it feels like a little bit more of a safety net on either side. Yeah. Um, it is quite difficult being so in control of... So other people having so much control over my income and my life, you know. Which is what you wanted to get away from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel you've grown a lot as a person having been through this sex worker journey? I think it's made me more confident. The OnlyFans stuff has helped me discover things about my sexuality. What things? Just things I'm into. And actually stuff with clients as well, actually. Like what? In terms of like my actual... Well, you said things you're into. Yeah, so I guess maybe exploring more of a dominant side. Which, oh, I see, right. That okay. kind of thing, yeah. Whereas I think before with hookups, it had been, I'd kind of just go along and it would be more me being led by whatever the other person wanted because I was inexperienced and young. And Yeah, so you just naturally went to the, the sub role. Not as clear cut as that, but, and I would, still wouldn't say there's like necessarily clear cut roles. Yeah, it's allowed me to explore different sides of that. Can you see your life without sex work in it? It's, it's a very much a part of who I am now. It's been, especially since I moved to London, it's helped me meet lots of people who are also in the industry, who I've become really good friends with. So it's been really great in that way as well. Yeah, it feels pretty important right now. Do you feel connected to the sort of the protest side of things, the activism? Uh, less so. I guess I, it's not really activism, but just by being kind of very open and unashamed of being a sex worker, being trans, <laughs> it doesn't really involve much effort on my part because I'm just being myself, but it's, it's still... But even that is a, is a powerful, you know, moment of activism. Just by being unashamedly you. Yeah. Other people notice that. Yeah. You don't have to be with a sign, rah, 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 trans yeah. rights now, sex worker rights now. Just by being you in the way that you are you, that is a moment of activism. Even if it's silent, even if it's just someone seeing you in Tesco's or... Yeah. Or a client walking away going, that was a that was a different experience. Yeah. One I didn't even think I could possibly have. Yeah. Let me rebook Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the cause gets, you know, pushed further and your bank balance goes up. Yeah. Not so bad. <laughs> Do your family know? Yeah. And they reacted well? Uh they were surprised, but not not outraged. How did you tell them? Um I just told them it was after I've been doing OnlyFans for a while. I just yeah, I just told them about it, and they were yeah surprised but fine. <laughs> I think they didn't like the idea of me categorizing myself as a sex worker because they had the kind of seedy connotations with it mm -hmm. that we talked about. But yeah, they're fine with it. They're happy as long as I'm happy, which is great. You're going to show them this? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Huge thanks to Eddie for taking part in this episode. Next time on Sex Work. I'm quite clear that I would never have become a prostitute if it was not for having the unfortunate fate of crossing paths with that man who set me up to fail. And what's really sad is that I fled Australia simply because I would see him around town and it was so triggering. I tried to have traditional relationships and they just didn't work. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that episode. And check out the portraits on Instagram, sftl underscore studios. 
This has been a Shoot First Talk Later production, written and produced by Robert Gershenson, consultation by Jason Domino and Camille Waring, partly funded by The Photographic Theorist.